Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich, founder of 1000 Hours Outside. So unbelievably thrilled. I've already taken a bunch of pictures to have Joel Salatin on the podcast with us today. Welcome, Joel. Thank you, Jenny. What an honor and delight to, delight to be with you. Thank you. I'm so thrilled that you're here. You have really influenced our family. I am actually recording this podcast from a small little hobby farm that we did not used to live on. We've been here about two years. So uh, you have definitely um, taken our journey and, and put it on a really beautiful curve with all of your writing and the, and the documentaries you've been in. So let's see. I've got this amazing bio here. Um, Joel Salatin, 64, is that right? Calls himself, it's, it's in the bio, calls himself a Christian libertarian environmentalist capitalist lunatic farmer. I love that. Others who like him um, call him, <laughs> I like that it says others who like him, call him the most famous farmer in the world. I would say that's true. The high priest of the pasture and the most eclectic thinker from Virginia since Thomas Jefferson. Um, and then you have those who do, those who don't like him. So interesting. Yeah, you're definitely you definitely uh you put out some interesting information and people people take some sides, don't they? <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> they do. You've been featured in the New York Times bestseller um uh, with Omnivore's Dilemma, award-winning documentary Food Inc. You serve more than 5,000 families with your farm. Um, and then you just have a whole host of books. I've got a stack of them here that I've read. So oh, wow. There we go. These are the ones I've read, but I know that there's more. So could you take just a minute and, and introduce yourself and your family and, and, and how you got to become the lunatic farmer? Sure. So, so my, my lunacy uh, is really embedded in my DNA. Uh, I, I have this wonderful family legacy. My, my dad's dad, my grandfather, was a charter subscriber to Rodale's Organic Gardening and Farming magazine when it first started in like 1948-49. A lot of people today don't realize that that right there around World War II, uh, it was a watershed moment in our country. It, it was not clear whether we would go the the chemical approach, um, you know, the industrial chemical approach in, in farming, or whether we would go a more you know a compost-driven biological approach, and. Um, and so uh, Rodale, of course, you know, was one of the early articulators of, of, a, of a non-chemical approach. And my grandfather um, endorsed that wholeheartedly, had a large, he never had a farm, but he had a very, very large garden, like a quarter acre, which is, that's a big garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, backyard chickens and things like that in Indiana. And uh, so my dad got that, that you know, from, from him. And, um, and then we came here into Virginia in 1961. I was just four. And, um, and so, you know, uh, we, we got onto this worn out gully rock pile farm. It was cheap. And, uh, and, uh, you know, dad started asking people, you know, both government officials and private, you know, consultants, well, how do I make a living on this farm? And, um, and all the advice was, was anti-ecological, you know, it was, uh, build silos, plant corn, graze the woods, uh, you know, plow more and, and whatever. And, and, and um, dad, dad saw the chemical approach, kind of a drug addiction, you know, you, 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 you can't get ahead of it. And so I grew up that way and, and have had the, the distinct privilege uh, in my lifetime of watching this kind of gully rock pile, the, the worst farm, the worst farm in the community, the, the armpit of the community, um, uh, turn into now this 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 gym uh, that's arguably the most you know fertile uh, abundant uh, farm in the area. I'm not saying that bragging. I'm I'm simply I'm simply humbly acknowledging uh, patterns and principles that that work that we've been able to work with, not against. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the land has responded in a, in a beautiful way. So, you know, I, I got my first chickens when I was 10 years old and, and, uh, at, you know, on my bicycle, I'd, I'd, I'd peddled eggs to the neighbors and we took them to church and, uh, supplied a couple schools, a couple restaurants and, and, uh, and cut my teeth there on, on kind of a, you know, a direct marketing approach there in the, in the late sixties, early seventies as a teenager. And then, um, you know, so I, I, I knew I wanted to come back to the farm, but but how am I going to make a living at it? The, the farm was basically a glorified homestead for my growing up. Dad was an accountant. Mom was a school teacher. All farm jobs paid for the land. You know, you know mm-hmm. the story. 
Yeah. Uh, but we, we we always had a couple milk cows. We made cottage cheese and butter and buttermilk and 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 I had my chickens. We had a large garden. We canned. We you know we froze stuff. We we basically ate ate off of our off the land, but uh, it wasn't what you'd call a going concern. And um, and so so um, I you know, when I was um, uh, basically in college and toying with okay, how do I get back here? I had a I had a flair for writing. I, I knew that mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd enter essay contests and win and that sort of thing. And so this was this was the, the early seventies, Nixon, Watergate, and I thought, oh, I know, I'll become a Woodward and Bernstein. I'll find my you know my mole somewhere, write my bestseller, and then I can come back to the farm. And that was kind of you know my mm-hmm. my thought. And uh, and so um, as it turned out, I my in high school, I actually worked part time at the local newspaper. And answering the phone, writing obituaries, police reports, things like that, and loved it. Just loved everything about the, mm-hmm. the smell of it, the the sense of it, the everything, you know. Um, and and I'm a, I'm a true news junkie. And so the newspaper said they like me, and they said, "Well, why don't you come back when you get out of college?" I said, "Well, okay." And so I had this job waiting for me. So. I went right back to the newspaper after graduation, and I'm still thinking, how do I get back to the farm full time? And so I'm, I'm working in town part time, you know, and I'm 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 milking the cow here and thinking, so, oh, I could I could milk ten cows and sell the milk to neighbors and make a living on this farm. There was only one problem: milk was illegal, and I've never I I, I have forget I have forgiven. But I've not forgotten uh, the fact that the government kept me from being able to come back to the farm, um, you know, for for a couple of years, and until we finally, um, you know, uh, Teresa and I saved up uh, enough. We lived in the attic. We drove a seventy-five dollar car. If we didn't grow it, we didn't eat it. We never went out to eat. We didn't have a television. Still don't have a television. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. You know, we we just devoted ourselves here, and we lived frugally. And in in a couple of years, we were able to save enough to that we could actually live on savings for one year. I said, "All right, I'm out of here. I'm leaving." I walked out of that that uh, town job, and um, of course, everybody thought we were st- you know crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I said, "You know what? We we've got it. We can live for one year, and." Um, and what I realized was that that how employable I was. I, I wasn't, even though I was college educated, I didn't mind mixing concrete. I didn't mind, you know, digging ditches, washing, washing, or digging, washing, uh, washing dishes, um, any of that stuff. And and I real and I realized, you know, everybody wants somebody who will show up on time, mm-hmm. uh, do a little more than they're asked. Uh, be courteous, dependable. You know, you don't have to be really fantastic to 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 thrive. And, mm-hmm. and so, so um, as they say in 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 this world, uh, those golden chains, the golden chains of that weekly salary fell off when I realized, you know what, anybody would love to have me work for them. Mm-hmm. And so, I jumped off the cliff. We came home full time. And here's what happened, Jenny. What happened was. That by being here, we, we we changed the slippage, what I call the slippage rate. In other words, by being here, I was I didn't have to wait to pull the pull the weeds and the green beans uh, on the weekend. I I was here for every calf that was born. I was here, wow. and, and a lot of this kind of farming is is time oriented you know it's yeah if you if you wait two days it's too late you know the the frost got it or you know, yeah. whatever and, yeah. and it, it's a real timely thing and so so suddenly that little ten thousand dollar nest egg that we had suddenly stretched mm-hmm. into two years you know because because wow. we were, we, we were things able, aren't they're not slipping yeah, through the cracks that's right they, they yeah. weren't slipping and, and so um so anyway uh you know, we, it took about, it took about the third year till the third year that we realized, I think we're going to make it. I mean, it was that, mm-hmm. it was pretty nip and tuck, you know, yeah. and I did a couple odd jobs. I, I helped a guy build fence. I helped a guy plant trees, you know, but listen, when you're living on $300 a month, if you can pick up $500 in cash on a little, a little side hustle, that's yeah. a big deal. You know, it yeah. goes a long way. 
And so, um, so that, that's how we started. And, and we, you know, we started selling to some local customers and different things. And, and today now, you know, we have about, there's about 25 of us that earn our salaries from the farm. Wow. And, and, um, and it's isn't a, that you know, neat? Isn't that neat? It's like, could you ever have ever imagined? And then how your no. life then starts to intersect with other people's. And now, like right. the most popular right. farmer, I mean, you're the farmer that everybody knows about. And and to hear your story from the beginning, I think, um, you know, they say that one of the keys to success is, is reading biographies, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, so when, because you, when you know someone's story, then, you know, look, like they worked really hard to get here and, and it wasn't always like this. And, and, and you have a lot of business advice in your books um, that come from experience, from direct experience. Right, right. And, and for, you know, my, I said my dad was a, he was a tax preparer and an accountant. He was, not, he was not, never a CPA, but he did tax preparation work. And so a lot of my financial, whatever, uh, acumen mm-hmm. uh, come, came firsthand from him, um, you know, watching him do the, do the financials and, and the accounting. And um and so fortunately he, you know, he taught, he taught my wife, Teresa, how to do all that. And yeah. so now I don't, I don't have, I don't, I don't, even, I don't know where the money is, where it goes, what it is, but she's got it If she says I can spend money, I can spend money. If she says I can't, I can't. So I love it. <laughs> so Joel, I've got, I've got five of your books sitting here. I've read five of yeah. them. I have, you confirm the entrepreneur's right. guide to start. We read all of these when we lived in the suburbs. Uh, and now when I say we, I mean me, cause I read them, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but yeah, I yeah. definitely uh, gave the highlights to my husband. I've read folks. This ain't normal. The marvelous pigness of pigs, uh, which is actually probably my favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the most recent one I've read your successful farm business and everything I want to do is illegal. Um, so I, I, these books are, they, they stirred something in me. You know, I think sometimes you read books and they're good and, you know, you pass on and sometimes you read books and they kind of lodge into your soul and, and they bring up ideas that you haven't thought about before. And so what I was hoping is we could just hit a couple of, of those topics that really stuck out to me. And one, I'm kind of like, you're talking about, you know, that, um, you know, your grandpa um, was in, into organic farming is sort of this multi-generational component and and really the multi-generational living um, is actually something that my husband and I had never really talked about or thought of much. Um, but then we read a lot about it in your books and you say, um, you say, of all the farming accomplishments, this is in Folks This Ain't Normal, of all the farming accomplishments for which I have received rewards, the one that means the most is not a plaque on the wall. The best one is that we have four generations living on this farm, and every day I'm surrounded by youthful enthusiasm, both from children and grandchildren. So I'm sure people would love to hear mm. about that because it really made, it makes sense. It makes sense to to circle through the housing. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to, I mean, for us, we really struggled when we have when we had our young kids. Um, you know, my we have fantastic grandparents. I always want to make sure I say that they're loving and very attentive. We have two grandparents on both, you know, on both sides. So the kids each have the four grandparents, but you know, they're a drive. Or you know, I I needed when my kids were young to just like kick them out the door and say, go to grandma's or go play with your cousin. I mean, the cousins were such, you know, the, the little bit of time that we spent interacting with cousins, the kids were so engaged and I could make a meal or. So anyway, the multi-generational and especially the housing thing, like you start in a small. So I would love for our listeners to hear about how you guys live on your farm multi-generationally, who's there. Um, yeah, right. Who's so, where? Yeah. yeah. So at, at this point, at this point we have, so my, my mom, my mom is still alive and, uh, uh, she's, she'll be 98, uh, next week, actually, she'll be 98. Oh, so, happy birthday uh, and she, mom. she still, she, she still lives independently, uh, but she lives, uh, right, right. You know, uh, uh, 50, 50 feet from us, uh, in her house and, um, uh, just outside the, you know, outside the, the yard fence there. And, um. So, so she's here and, and she's now, she's now requiring some care. She's starting to fail. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're popping over there, you know, every couple hours in the day. And we've got her one of those little uh, punch button things. If she falls, she can punch it and it'll automatically call us. Um, We, uh, 
we do about half of her meals now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she either comes over and eats with us. If I can get her over here, she, she's starting to be less ambulatory. Uh, but we take a lot of meals over to her as well. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, kind of it, that that's where we are. Um, and then of course, Teresa and I, we live in the, in the, the house that I grew up in. Um, so, so what happened was, um, Mom and dad were here. And then when Teresa and I got married, we actually, we had this big old farmhouse. And so we actually converted the attic, the second floor in the attic into an apartment for us. We had our own kitchen, our own bathroom on everything. Only thing we had to do was we had to come through mom and dad's. We actually had way more privacy than mom and dad did. Right, right. And mom and dad, uh, and mom and dad, bless their hearts. Um, so we lived up there seven years. And, um, and so when mom and dad wanted to come up, they would just come up and they would, they would knock on the wall. You know, we didn't have a door. Uh, they would just knock on the wall, you know, and, and, and come on up. So the, the point is that both, the both families had a great deal of respect and, uh, space, spatial respect. And, and, and the main thing is we had separate bathrooms, separate kitchens, separate living quarters. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, we, we each had our we weren't living, you know, the two went, mom and my wife were not sharing the kitchen. You know, right. I mean, that's where you start getting into some. So, so you can live close, but you need space. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's the balance here that we're, that yeah. we're talking about. And so then when, when our, uh, when our daughter was born, Rachel, then we, we moved to, to two kids. So uh, by that time, my grandmother, so mom's mother had lived outside the yard fence, for 10 years during my teen years and, 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 uh, and early, early marriage. So she passed away. So mom and dad just, um, took her house out and put in a different one, bigger one, uh, mm-hmm. in this, basically the same spot. And they moved out and gave Teresa and I the, the, the big farmhouse because yeah. we had four of us here and, and, and they yeah. moved out and that put them all on, on one floor. Um, by that time, dad had gotten yes, sick and, right. and so had, like a ranch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A ranch, you're right. A sing, mm-hmm. single floor deal. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause he, he couldn't go up and downstairs and things like that. So that, that was the early time. So then our kids, of course, they grew up in the house. Well then, you know, Daniel decided to get married. And uh, so what do we do? So by that time, things had progressed here on the farm. We had our own sawmill and, 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 um, early on we homeschooled, we homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So when Daniel was a teenager, our son, um, we, we had friends that were in, that, that built houses that were in construction. And, um, and he had a real interest in that. I, I'm anybody who knows me knows I'm a, I'm not a carpenter. I, I, you know, I'm a functional. functional <laughs> I remember reading about that in your book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've always told Teresa, I said, every guy wants to build his gal, a, you know, a house, but you wouldn't want to live in the house that I build you, you know, it'd be, it'd be like the house that Jack built, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, so anyway, um, so Daniel at 14 would go for a week at a time on these construction projects. The point being that when he was 19, 20 and, and started um, uh, courting Sherry, um, uh you know, he was confident enough to be said, yeah, I can build a house. I can build my own house. So we went up in the woods and, and selected the trees. I cut the trees. I, I milled all the, the wood on the sawmill. We pushed them in a hoop house to be a, a, a poor boy kiln to, to help super dry it quicker. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he and Sherry got married and, and he, he built his own house. Um, wow. uh, and so they, they live about, um, I don't know, uh, 300 yards from us kind of up on the hill. And, and how we picked the spot was the, the, the farmhouse here is not located in the center of the property. And, and so we wanted hot electricity. We wanted hot, we wanted infrastructure, water, uh, potable water stuff farther into the center of the property. So we called the the, uh, the utility company said, how far will you guys run free power? You know, they have a they have a distance that they'll run it for free. And then you just got to start paying for it. And so they gave us the yardage. We went out, we measured it. And that's where we put the house was as far as we could get it into the center of the property uh, for future. And and now we're using that hot power for irrigation and and for other things. So it's it's been a real, real real leverage. So, so we now, and and then of course they started having kids. We now have three grandkids, uh, 18, 16 and awesome. uh, soon to be 14 
and um, and all three kids have their own projects. So we still have the four generations on the farm yeah. as long as mom lives. Uh, that yeah. won't be too long. I'm I'm confident. But yeah. uh, we still have the four generations uh, on the farm. Yeah. And you talk about sort of this this round robin idea of housing, which just makes so much sense. If you have uh, like a homestead and a couple different sizes of homes, you know, when we first started out, you don't need much space. And then you've got your kids and you need a little bit more space. But then, you know, as sort of that cycle of life goes, you want to go back to that smaller space, you know, to have less to take it, care of. And, yeah, who, who wants to, you know, right. you, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to go into your late elder years uh, running up and down three flights of steps, right. you know, you, right. you, you want to swallow. Yeah. I mean, and who wants to clean a great big, you know, right. rambling house right. as, as you age. So yeah, yeah we're, we're big believers in, in, in trading houses. Yeah. And so, uh, and so I, I think, I think that the, the, the most important thing here is to realize it's okay to be close as long as you have private space. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot, and for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code OUTSIDE120 at goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120 code OUTSIDE120. But every, everybody needs a place where you can go scream. Yeah. And, uh, but what a neat so, thing. It was it was a concept that we hadn't really ever even heard of too much. And so, like I said, that was one that kind of lodged deep into us. We've thought about it quite a bit. You said, um, our four generations living on the farm is perhaps my single greatest blessing. Surrounded by this emerald farm is gr God's creative crown. Surrounded by the abundance of field in the fields, the gardens, the basement larder, feasting on compost-grown pasture-raised food, minimally prepared in our home kitchen, communing with family. This is normal. This is connection, foundation, heritage, tradition. So mm. it's just, it's given us, you know, dreams, you know, like, um, you know, for our particular family. In fact, there's a little, there's a little home right next door to us that we have our eye on because the little, um, uh -huh. there's a little gate that opens to it. And we thought, well, maybe our parents could live there and then that would be a good place for us to go next. If sure. So anyway, just yeah. a really um, awesome and, and thought provoking concept and really neat. We're, we're planning on coming down there at some point. So we want to come see it. Um, good. 
Good. Uh, so, okay. So something else. So this book is called this one, folks, this ain't normal. So I love how you ended this book um, because you ended it with what I feel like is not very normal. <laughs> you ended it by saying you found contentment and satisfaction. And I think that that in this day and age is not very normal. I think that most people are not content and satisfied. But anyway, so a couple of the things, um, a couple of the things that really stuck out to me uh, was this one about traveling. So uh, I read this book before we lived here on this hobby farm. I, I read it when we lived in the um, in a neighborhood still. And you said, I think the reason we have to travel more is because we don't have anything exciting to do at home anymore. But if we're gardening, cooking, and cottage industrying, home can be as exciting as any discretionary destination. We've divorced our own homes as the centerpiece of life, and that disunion manifests itself in running elsewhere looking for satisfaction. That takes a lot of energy. Wow. Mm. That really struck a chord with us about home being the centerpiece. So, so what are some ways that, you know, your home, I mean, it's a little obvious kind of, but you know, that your home is the centerpiece of your life and, and that, you know, how are you finding this satisfaction and contentment that it seems like everyone else is chasing? Right. Well, that's a, it's a fair question. So I think it's like a lot of these things, you you have to be intentional about it. it. It doesn't just happen by itself. And so, uh, so, you know, a, a fire pit in the backyard. I mean, that's a wonderful, yeah. I mean, children love fire. You can roast marshmallow. You, you'd be surprised, Jenny, how many, how many um, youth, you know, um, people that are what, 16 years old uh, who come here and they've never roasted a marshmallow. They've never, they've never mm-hmm. had a s'more, you know, a, a, a fire roasted s'more. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm not trying to get everybody hooked on sugar, but, but, um, you know, uh, I'm the 80, 20 rule, you know, 80 good, sure. 20 is okay to be a little bit uh, corrupted. And, and so, uh, you know, a, a backyard fire pit uh, is a wonderful thing. Um, activity, you know, uh, uh, growing your own food, um, you know, a, a backyard garden, uh, so, you know, a couple of chickens, um, a couple of rabbits, you know, um, you know, things, animals, animals um, love you unconditionally. You know, I've never had a chicken unhappy to see me. I've never had a rabbit that said, you've got big ears or your hair's shaggy <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Um, and so there's a real, there's a real, uh, um, uh, whatever relationship with animals that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's profound. And, and also I think uh, production animals where you're actually eating them as part of the, as part of the whole cycle. I think, I, I think that that is a profound um, uh, meaningfulness in the cycle of life, the circle of life and, and the, and often, and just living authentically Um mm-hmm. You know, we we live in such a fantasy world now, from fantasy games to to um, uh, to protection from any evil, any bad, anything. And I think that I, I can tell you for a fact. You know, we've had for years we've had customers come. We you know we process chickens here close, and um, and, and parents are all squeamish about it. But children under ten, they're they're just into it. That they don't, they don't scream. They don't, they don't good. They, it's, it, it's like, it's like a natural thing. We, um, we actually, as we, as we age, um, if we're not touched by those kinds of things, we actually, we actually grow out of balance, if you will, uh, grow out of balance about life authenticity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the idea that you, you can't, you can't have life without death, without harvest, you know, yeah. uh, and, and harvest takes, um, uh, takes work. So, so, um, so creating the home, the cottage, the, you know, the, the yardscape and actually, uh, putting into it, um, something meaningful besides a, a badminton court, um, yeah. and, and yeah. something that is, that is foundational to life. Um, uh, bring, brings meaning and and I think I think self worth 
why am I important? Well, I'm important because that tomato plant needs me. I'm important because those chickens need to be fed this morning. Um, those are those are profound things. And uh, and we live in a time when a lot of uh, children grow up, um, you know, without without. Well, they have self worth issues. I mean, uh, you know, uh, ju- juvenile suicide is a is a huge uh, issue right now, and um, and you know about the most self worth a, a young person can get now is to be the top points getter on some video game. Well, yeah. you know, think about the difference between knowing that, hey, this tomato soup I'm eating for supper tonight. I grew the tomatoes. I kept them weeded. I watered them. I picked the tomatoes, and I helped uh, can the tomatoes. And I I ran the little yeah. food mill, you know, and 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 the, the yeah. juice come out, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, and and I I I viscerally participated yeah. in life, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and if if you if you can't make that exciting, um, you're yeah. you're in a you're in a pretty dry dry spot. Yeah, I mean, I really I really get it. We um so we've been at this. I grew up. Um, my my grandmother, her name is Virginia. So I'm actually Virginia, named after her. But my grandmother was born and raised on a farm in West Virginia. Um, yeah. hundreds of acres, a dairy farm. And so then her brother, my great uncle, he um, stayed there his whole life. They, he, um, he was never able to have children. He married and they never had children. And um, he passed just a couple years ago. And, and so we would go down there. I always feel like farming is in my blood a little. I mean, I, we loved going down there as kids. And my parents would always be like, you got to be kind of quiet. They're not used to having kids around. And it would be me and my two brothers. And yeah. um, but I just, we love the animals and the cats and the dogs. And so we've been on this um it's kind of a hobby farm for a couple years. This is, I just finished our third summer and I'd never done anything. You know, like I said, these things really like settled in our soul over the past decade about trying these different things. And anyway, when you cut, you know, so you don't really want to leave your farm. You know, people are, people are asking, you know, I speak at, we also homeschool and I speak at these different homeschool conferences and you know, they're, they're like, can you come speak in June? And I'm like, I don't really want to, <laughs> you know, I don't want to leave my stuff. I'm right. like watching it grow and it's fascinating. And um, so I just, I loved that part about the simple pleasures. You even talked about, we did the chicks in an incubator. Um, for the first time. And you said, simple pleasures are better than complex ones. This is in the farm business book. An incubator hatching chickens, my goodness, it doesn't get any better than that. And I've got pictures of our whole family just, you know, right up next to the thing. And, you know, you're fascinated for the whole process. And um, so I I love this concept of, of having your home be the centerpiece of your life, you know, and, um, and then you, it doesn't take as much energy. We can find satisfaction there. Yeah, well, too 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 often in today's uh, frenzied frantic frenzied frantic culture, we have we have essentially um, relegated our our homes to pit stops between yeah. yes. between uh, uh, um, life's important things that 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 life actually occurs outside the outside our mm. our home, our yard, our our well, the legal term is curtilage outside of our curtilage. Um, th- th- that's where life happens, and 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 this is just this is just a way station in between. And, and and what I would suggest is that if we restructure it, instead, our home, our curtilage, can become a germination tray, a launch pad for everything that makes life meaningful. Yes. and that's a very different way of yeah. uh, of viewing it. It sure is. It's very beautiful, and it makes sense. Okay, you were talking earlier about teens, teens and work, and I've got that down as one of my things here. Um, You say, all of us crave affirmation, especially affirmation that genuinely recognizes our contribution to society. You say, we've relegated our young teens to teenage foolishness. Never in life do people have as much energy as in their teens. Um, Children you know, in the past, we're always valued as a treasure and a blessing that kids are innovative. Um, so, you know, I think that we're, we're coddling kids, um, you know, and, and there's this sort of fear of having them do hard work. And yet this is what they're, this is what they're made for. Um, so I don't know, I have a lot of little notes here, but um, you know, what does hard work do for teens? And, um, and I know you talk a lot about how teens should be able to work more in their, 
they're not able to because of different laws and things. Yeah, well, I think I, I think um, if I could kind of cut to that, it's a great great question. Thank you for the thank you for the for the the theme the theme steering here, uh, Jenny. Um, I, I think that if if I could cut to the chase on that, it is what 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 do you want for your children? Ask any parent what do you want for your children, and and most of the time it'll be something like. Well, we want them to grow up to be productive adults. I mean, you know, we don't want them to stay children. You know, we 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 want them to to launch. You know, to launch to 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 pay their bills. You know, have a family, have a career. We don't want to do their laundry and have them stuck in the basement for the rest of their life. We want them to launch. Well, so the, the obvious question is: so what if you had a checklist? Um, you know. Let's say let's let's use the analogy of a launch or a, a takeoff, okay? Like an airplane takeoff, and let's say you have a checklist. Here's what has to be here's what has to be done in order for this plane to take off. You know, pilots have a checklist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, that checklist includes things like taking responsibility, being able to make decisions, um, um, uh, you know, understand understanding consequences of, mm-hmm. of actions, you know, a work ethic, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Work, work, work ethic, um, uh, how to keep a checkbook or keep, you know, keep your, your money, uh, staying out of debt or, or you know, reduce debt at least, um, you know, those kind those kinds of things are on that checklist. Well, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you develop that if, if you don't give real life success, failure opportunities? For, right. for young people. And, and yeah. so I, I think I think one of the most abusive things we've done to young people in our culture is deprive them of these these early childhood, early adolescent, um, um, adult adult world interactive, real authentic interactive uh, opportunities with the adult world so that they do develop that checklist going yeah. into adulthood. Yes. And, 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 and as a result, um, you know, when they used to, when, when I mean, I, I talked to a, I talked to a, a lady and she said out in her, uh, in Washington state, when she was a kid in the, in the 1950s, you know, um, if you wanted to earn some pocket change, you'd sign up on this register and you'd get on a, a bus that would take you out and you'd pick apples, you know, in the orchards in Washington state. And, uh, and that's how you got money to go to the cinema or, you know, go to mm-hmm. the, you know, get an ice cream cone or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, today the, the very thought of that would just make a lot of people bristle with child abuse and labor laws. No, no, nobody was, nobody was forcing those kids to do that. Nobody made them get, no, they are, our, 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 our humanness, our humanness yearns for needfulness. The, the day, I mean, we're dealing with this mom right now, you know, she's, she's getting very elderly and, and the single biggest um, emotional issue of elderly people is to feel needed and and, and it's it's so important in the human spirit to feel needed and and so so when children when children aren't in an environment and aren't immersed in a place where their contribution is needed then they 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 start life they start where you're supposed to end you know you're supposed to end life of the Everything I needed to do, good. You know, I'm ready to check out now, right? But but you're not supposed to start there. Um, you start with 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 a world of contribution to be able to to offer because the world needs you, and and, and you know somebody needs to clean the toilet, somebody needs to do the laundry, somebody needs to uh, you know cook dinner and and uh, and pay the bills, and 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 so that 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 needfulness is. Uh, is is a is is perhaps the foundation of that checklist, you know, going into adulthood. Yeah, interesting. Yes, for sure. And that kids aren't getting that at all. You say now this is what's so interesting to me, Joel, about your books. So this one is called You Can Farm, right? The Entrepreneur's Guide to Start and Succeed in a Farming Enterprise. So here's a little snippet out of here. It says 
If our farms, I love that there's so many topics in your book. If our farms do not provide opportunities for children, they will occupy their time sitting in front of the TV, playing Little League, going to the mall, and becoming video game junkies. Then when they turn 13 and can really be helpful, we've lost them to all these other interests, and farm is not on their list of fun things to do. This is a great tragedy and one of the most significant losses on the average American farm. But you talk about that your children go with you on every job. And then it becomes fun for them and it, and it, and it meets a need of theirs and they feel that they're contributing. Um, yeah. You know, my, my, my favorite, my favorite story about that is our own son, Daniel. Uh, well, our, our, both our, our daughter too. Our daughter was, was uh, an early reader. She's, she's a, a little, takes after me in my writing, my communication ability. And, and uh, she and three little uh, girlfriends when they were about eight, started a little newsletter called the, the, the ladybug club and the ladybug newsletter. And of course, you know, the, the three parents were their subscribers. And, <laughs> um, and, and I was so taken when, when she was about eight or nine and um, uh, they were coming up on, um, on labor day. And, you know, how do we, what are we going to say about labor day? And, um, and, and Rachel wrote this thing about, about, um, or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. It was for Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? And Rachel's piece was, I'm thankful for work. What a chaotic world wow. it would be if, if we didn't work. Wow. And you know, she was like nine, right? Wow. And yes. so, so, so here's my no story. On Daniel. Uh, my story on Daniel. So, you know, Daniel would go with me and I, I had a early on, I was building some fence. We didn't have a post driver at the time. So I was hand digging the holes and I would, I would discipline myself or, or incentivize myself and say, well, I'm not going to take a drink of water until, you know, I get that next post hole done. That kind of thing. You hurry and, you know, it kind of self-motivation. And, um, and so Daniel, you know, he's, he's, he's uh, in diapers, you know, on the ground and he's just starting to talk and toddle around and, and of course, you know, how they, they get to whining, you know, I'm daddy, I'm thirsty, blah, blah, blah. I say, no, Daniel, we're not going to take a drink until I finish this other post hole, you know? And so he grew up that way. All right. So fast forward, a family moves in down the road a little bit uh, with a, with a son about Daniel's age and they hit about 10 years old. Well, what do 10 year old boys do want to do on a farm? They want to build a fort, right? Every yes. Boy's yeah, that's for fort, sure. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, so the, the two moms, you know, get a play date settled and, and the two boys get together. They're going to build it down at his place. So Teresa takes Daniel over there to their place and uh, about an hour to, to build the fort and uh, about an hour later, the phone rings and it's, it's the other boy's mother. And she says, what is it with your son? He won't let mine have a drink of water until they finish the first wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> oh, it's stu- it's so stuck in there, huh? <laughs> yeah, more more is more is caught than taught. More is that caught is than the taught. Truth. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Well, speaking of things being caught then taught, I, I really want to talk about this. And I know that um, our audience is uh, eclectic in terms of religious belief. And so sometimes, you know, people have preferences on what they hear and don't hear. But, um, you know, also our, our life involves what, what our beliefs are. So, um, you know, I grew up going going to church and have always loved the Word of God. And, um, I you know, I remember... I remember as a kid, you know, hearing these verses from Deuteronomy 6 about teaching teaching your kids diligently, right? Teach and impress them diligently. Talk of these things, you know, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and, um, you know, just talking about God's principles. And I remember as a kid reading those verses and thinking that they were kind of weird, you know, thinking, well, that would be really contrived. You know, how could you talk about God's principles, you know, all the time? And mm-hmm. and then, uh-huh. you know, we moved to this this hobby farm. And um, so this has really been my journey within the past couple of years. And I grew morning glories. Um, so this was for the first time. And and I remember the first time that I went out and, and I saw them and they'd opened up in the morning and I'd actually never seen that before. And, and I thought, oh, you know, this reminds me of the verse that when, you know, you lay your requests in the morning and you wait in expectation. And, um, you know, we had an experience where one of our chickens hatched her chicks um, and we were not wanting her to do that because we had enough chickens. But so she had found a little um, grassy area and 
And she, we came out one morning, it was during the pandemic. So it was actually like a huge highlight for us because we were all bored and um, kind of stuck. And, and we, and we came out one morning and out she comes out of these bushes and she's got all these little chicks. And um, so of course we're so excited and we run over there and, and she sits down and they go mm, under her wings yeah. And you can't even see that they're there. And I thought, oh, there's verses about this, you know, that he will hide you and you're, and you're Uh hidden under the, you know? And so I really, I loved the, the marvelous pigness of pigs. That's um, like I said, that's, I mean, I really, really truly enjoyed and gotten so much out of all your books. Um, But this one sort of hit me at the right time, you know, in terms of being a mother. And, and so, like I said, I know that, Now, all of our audience um, is, you know, of the same faith. But one of the things that you say here um, is you say, you talk about um, what kids learn from being outside and being in the garden. And um, you say, look, I've got my whole pages of notes and I really want to read the actual quote if I can find it. I did. You say, integrating our lives with plants and animals bathes us in object lessons about responsibility relationship, faithfulness, expectation, perseverance, diligence, and unconditional love. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 1000 hours. So no matter, I think, your, um, you know, your background in terms of, um, you know, people's religious beliefs or, or if, you know, if they're Bible readers or not, I think this concept of that nature gives us lessons. Yes. And, and, and huge lessons and even just growth. I think, you know, you know, grow, you see growth, like John Holt talked about that, right? Like, you know, you don't have to measure everything. You don't have to measure everything to know that it's growing. You can see growth. And so what are some of the, I mean, this is a, this is a list, Joel, like responsibility. Who doesn't want this for their kids? Responsibility, relationship, faithfulness, expectation, perseverance, diligence, and unconditional love. Um, what are some lessons that nature can teach us, you know, if we take a step back? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you know, the, pre- the premise of that whole book is that, um, that nature is an object lesson of, of spiritual truth. Um, yeah. You could actually take spiritual out of it if you wanted to uh, and yeah. just say it's an object lesson of truth. And, mm-hmm. and, so, uh, and so when you um, 
when you interact with plants and animals, uh, there, there are some real significant rules that you learn. And I think one of the biggest ones is that this is, this is not a, a fantasy world. It's yeah. it's not virtual, you know. Um, on the video screen, if you are, for example, uh, you know, racing a car and the car, you know, you go too fast and you wreck. Uh, in about two seconds, it gives you a new car and you continue your race, right? Uh, or you start over, whatever the whatever the game is. Um, you know, you uh, you know you you get one of these violent ones, you know, and you kill somebody and. And they keep coming back in different forms and different things. Well, n- none of this is the way life is. Jenny, none of it is the way life is. Mm-hmm. In life, in life, if, if you don't water the tomato plant and it dies, you don't go out and just wait and, and, and the garden gives you a new tomato plant. Right. Uh, if, you, if you don't feed the chickens and they stop laying eggs, um, you know, uh, you've got to feed the chickens. You, you can't just right. wait and say, well, what's wrong with you? You, you can't right. blame no, there are the chickens. There are for not, natural, for I, right. There are natural laws. And I think what that book really made me think is that we've gotten our kids away from all of those. You know, it's like with 1,000 Hours Outside, it's like kids are on the screens all the time. So they're not experiencing, you reap what you sow. You know, if you put in this bean seed, you're not going to get a cucumber. And there's all of these natural laws that I think we've become as a society, especially our children, are so far removed from. Um, and so I, I love the book. And it's because it's, yeah. it's an encouragement to say, look, nature has a lot to offer us, um, both as parents and as kids, of of things to learn about how the how the world works. Yes, you're you're exactly right, and 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 uh, the world uh, to to use to use these um, these natural templates, these natural patterns to uh, to understand uh, um, life life principles. Uh, goodness, you know, um, you know, when you when you see the chickens picking on each other, for they're bullies, okay? Um, uh, you know, we we humans, you know, look, I have never I have never seen pigs, I've never seen a big pig uh, uh, stand over in a corner and say, you know, um, I think that little pig over there, he's struggling a little bit. I think when they bring the feed, <laughs> to them, I, I'm I'm going to sit in this corner and wait for that, you know, wait that little bit, but. <laughs> But, but well, see, we humans, we humans can be the big pig that sets aside and lets the little pig do it. P- yeah. Pigs don't. Pigs don't care. Pigs don't do anything. And, and so those, you know, you, you could kind of say all the lessons I need in life I learned in a barnyard, you know. But but there, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, that you know, um, how, how to frighten things. You you come on too strong and, and, and you scatter the chickens. Uh, when you go into, if you want the chickens to come and, and be friendly, you, you're, you're gentle with them. You don't go, you know, uh, uh, throwing things around and, and raising your voice and all that. Mm. Uh, you, you, you are, you are gentle. And so uh, these are all things. These are all uh, principles of life living that are visceral. They're not a focus group. They're not an instruction booklet. Um, they're they're not even in a Sunday school class. They're actually learned. I think I think my favorite my favorite little uh, snippet in that book, um, Jenny, is um, is to, to youth leaders that want to take their kids to you know Six Flags over Georgia or you know right. the, res, the resort. And I say, why don't you instead um, get every get everybody a mattock and have them go uh, uh, cut thistles and, and uh, multiflora rows at some farmer's field, and yeah. uh, and then and then learn. Here's how you attack. Yeah. Here's how you attack uh, uh, bad things. Here's how you deal with it. You you know you you got to cut. You got to size. You got to be on top of it, and, right? And you you know, yeah. Yes. Your angle of attack, yeah. and, and and then when you when you actually get it. Man, that's a that's a very satisfying feeling. You don't have yeah. to be a victim to that bramble. You can yes. you can whack it out. You know, and, and those kinds of, of real life visceral uh, natural experiences, um, they, they they get in our memory because we have smelled them, seen them. Maybe maybe we got a splinter from one, um, and that's so much more uh, uh, yes. um, 
whatever life meaningful and powerful than just uh, talking about it as a, as a focus group in a, in a session. Yes. And God has handed those to us. And that, that sort of has, your book has, has opened my eyes to look for them. So, you know, we grab, and some people are really against it, but um, you know, if you talk about things that are controversial, here's one. Uh, If you raise, if you raise monarchs. So this is a controversial one. Um, But anyway, so we grab a few every year and we have milkweed growing around and um, we bring them inside. And um, you know, when they hatch, everyone, Mm everyone's jaws to the floor from the two-year-old to the grandparent. And, you know, mm-hmm. the verse that says you are a new creation, you know, so to have of these object lessons of spiritual truth are so powerful mm-hmm. that are right there. The chicken, the same thing, you know, the old is gone. Here is this chick. It takes 21 days, right? You know? So, right. um, right. so I really, I loved that book and, um, you know, Religious beliefs or not, like you said, truth is portrayed all around us in nature. And um, so that's mm-hmm. something that I think families can use, um, you know, to help teach their kids and to help teach themselves. You know, like, you know, the sprout needs a lot more care. Uh, but then, you know, once those things grow, then, you know, you step back and you get to see the beauty. And I think with parenting, you know, those little ones, they take a whole lot of work all the time, right. you know, and then it gets right. a little bit easier and you really experience the beauty mm-hmm. and the personality and the individuality. So I just really, really enjoyed that book. We're running out of time. I want to, uh, but I'm hopping on one more. I've got one more topic. I really had a lot more, but here I'm going to grab one more. The last one is business because you have some really, really awesome things in all these books about business. And I like to talk to parents about that because we are modeling for our kids. Um, and we can, if it's not a full-time thing, we can do new endeavors and show our kids how to be brave. So you say, let's see, I've got so many here. The opposite of success is not failure. It's quitting. That's a mm. statement. You talk a lot yeah. about longevity. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Per- perseverance, you know, Jenny, a lot of people, you know, they, they ask me, well, uh, well, you're so clever. You're so, you know, you guys have done so well, blah, blah, blah. I say, no, not a- actually. No, uh, we were just too <laughs> stubborn. To quit. And, there you and go. A lot, a lot yes. of times it's just about you just too yes. stubborn to quit. Yeah, you say, if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly first. Whoever does anything right, this all is my life. Whoever does anything right the first time. um, And so we're afraid to make a fool of ourselves or have a flop. You even relate it to little babies that kind of plop back down. But as adults, we become scared of plopping back down. We're we're paralyzed by fear. So you guys are like a living success of a living model. Of, of perseverance, of pushing through. And then, like you talked about earlier, you have 25 employees, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, and, you know, and we never, we never made a business plan. We didn't aspire to it. We didn't, we, we don't, we don't even have sales targets. Um, uh, we're just, we're just completely counterintuitive on everything. And we, we yeah. just feel like, we feel like if we, if we devote ourselves every day to faithfulness, then, then that's going to, that's going to accumulate down the, you know, down the pathway. And, um, and there are, there are ways to be successful without, you know, um, you know, uh, sales figures, uh, you, you can, you can be successful in other ways as well. And, and you can do, you know, different kinds of enterprises, different kinds of things. And so, um, so yeah, uh, we, you know, too often, I think we, we make plans too far ahead, um, and and we failed to just think about well, what should I do tomorrow? Uh, there's a book out, the, the one thing, and uh, what he what he mm. says is that that um, that this idea of having you know multiple uh, objectives and goals, blah blah blah. blah. He said no. Well, what you really need to do is think about what what's the one thing. What what one thing could I do today that um, that that would that would change you know uh, change things for the better. And, um, and you just take that one at a time, you know, one step at a time and you do those one things. And if you do those, uh, the, if you identify the most critical thing uh, every day in 10 years, um, they will accumulate to be the right trajectory, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, wherever you happen to be in, in 10 years from now. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's uh, a, that sounds like a good book. I wrote it down. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, Joel, you have influenced us in so many capacities. What a neat thing. You're not like, uh, it's not just like one, one piece. It's just like this permeation. And so, like I said, I've got these five of your books. I've got, I know a new one just came out. Um, so can you tell the listeners if they want to find out more about you and Polyface Farm, um, uh, in your books and, um, you know, where can they go? I know people can come visit. That's on our, it's on our bucket list. We're planning yeah, on coming sure, down there. Sure. Well, anybody's welcome to come and visit anytime from anywhere uh, and see anything unannounced. That's our, our uh, 24-7, 365 commitment to transparency, which, by the way, does tend to keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, of course, we have a website, Polyface, Polyface Farms. If you just type in about P-O-L-Y, it'll probably, you know, jump up to you. Yeah. And uh, that has, you know, where I'm speaking, where I'm going. It has, of course, all about the farm. It has, uh, we have a, you know, gift shop with, you know, everything from swag to my books to whatever. Um, the latest book is Polyface Micro. It just came out mm-hmm. in uh, whatever. Really August. recently, right? September. I saw you were doing signings. Yeah, yep. yep. September. And uh, it'll be released to uh, to Amazon January 1st. But okay. right, now it's, right now it's available through our gift shop. And um, we, we try to, what we call cream the market. Uh, once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, it, uh, the, the subtitle is success with livestock on a homestead scale. So Jenny, all my writing, all my books have been a result of, <clears throat> of, of, of feedback that I get from people that I, what do I think, what do I think, people need right now. It's that, it's that thing. What's, what's the hot button? What's the thing? And as you know, right now with the world as unsettled as it is, there is a tsunami of interest in, uh, in rural self-reliance, in resiliency, in, in getting, in getting geographically proximate to people who know how to grow things, build things, and fix things. And if you surround yourself with people who know how to grow things, build things, and fix things, you will be, you know, you, you can't be an island, but you can you can come as about as close as as, as you can be realistic uh, during unsettled times. Yeah, and, uh, self-sufficiency. And, and and these are these are unsettled times. Yes. Um, but but we can we can either be angry about it or we can be proactive and start uh, building those relationships and those masteries of of an yeah. eclectic uh, uh, group of skills that will allow us to allow us and our uh, significant friends to to be able to be more resilient in a in a in a unsettled time. And like you said, those are the things that lead to satisfaction and contentment. Yes. Do you have thirty seconds? We always end with a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours. My favorite outdoor childhood memory. Uh, you know, sometimes these childhood memories you don't realize how significant they are until way later in life. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, so my most significant one now uh, is is when I was probably six, seven, or eight years old in that period of time. My grandfather, I mentioned my grandfather at the beginning of the program, he had this large garden and he surrounded that garden with a tea trellis grape arbor, with Concord grapes. Well, here on a farm, we could never leave here until late in the summer because, you know, we had to make hay. Mom was a school teacher, you know, and, and, and of course, dad was a tax preparer. So, you know, nothing until April 15th. Anyway, so we never went, were able to go visit my grandparents until, you know, late summer. Well, it was always when the grapes were, were ripe. And as a little child, I would walk out under those uh, grape, Arbors. I mean, to me, they seemed like they stretched forever, but they were probably only, you know, a hundred feet by, you know, a hundred feet. It was, it was a bunch, but, um, but I was just barely tall enough, you know, to, I could reach the, the bottom ones hanging down. Of course, there were all those, uh, those yellow bees in there, you know, that were buzzing. Okay. But, 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 but what, what, what I remember is just being able to walk out there and be nestled in abundance it was like it was like a a a, a, a womb embrace of abundance <laughs> and that has framed my framed my 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 vision my dream for here is i want to step out the back door every morning and be immersed in this in this womb of abundance that a benevolent 
a benevolent creator has bestowed on me and has even given me the privilege of being his hands and feet to massage it, caress it, and nurture it uh, in his place as a, as, as a surrogate caretaker. And that is, that is a, a, a profound um, uh, responsibility and opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to bring to our, to our place. Joel, that's beautiful. And how awesome that it was birthed in you as a child. You know, to have yeah. those experiences that just still stick with you decades later. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am that I got to sit across the screen from you. I know that you are very busy and very sought after. So I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your time. Thank you for everything you shared with us. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you. Yeah. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.